Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Good evening, Fight Fans, to the latest edition here of the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 75 here on blocktalkradio.com forward slash Two Minute Round. My name is Felipe Leon, and from the Bay Area in California, sitting in the dark is Ms. Lupi Gutierrez. How are you doing, Lupi? Hi, everybody. Good. Just uh, sitting in the dark. In a power outage. Power outage up there in Northern California. And somewhere in downtown Los Angeles, we have (laughs) Hall of Famer David Avila. David, how are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, I'm glad uh, Lupe could make it with us. Yes, thank you. And and speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, we received, I'm sure that David did and I did as well, we received the ballots for the first ever International Boxing Hall of Fame a female induction, which two female fighters are going to be able to go in into the International Boxing Hall of Fame located in Canastota, New York, in June of next year. And uh, all I know is that the deadline to turn in those ballots is October 31st. And I haven't uh, made my decision yet. I, I'm going to do a little bit of research. It's just, I mean, you can vote for three, and the top two vote-getters are going to get in. The fact that Leila Lee is in it, Christy Martin, uh, Lucia Riker is in the wow. on the list, uh, among others, Ana Maria Torres, Laura Serrano. Um, you know, it's gonna make it a tough, a tough uh, decision. But the first, the the two with the most votes are the ones that are gonna be inducted in June of next year at the International Boxing Hall of Fame, which is gonna be historic. David, did you receive yours? Uh, yes, I did. Alrighty, and before we get into the show, we don't have a special guest today because we felt that there is a lot, a lot of talk about in the last two weeks in boxing, in and out of the ring, and we're gonna get into it in a couple of minutes. But we do want to mention that even though it's not about female boxing, but it does have to do with our boxing family. Our thoughts, wishes, and prayers go out to the unified IBF and WBC welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr., who this morning at 3 a.m. got into a horrific car crash. I don't know if you guys have been able to see the video of his Ferrari uh, flipping um, in a street in Dallas, uh, Texas. Uh, Thankfully, he's okay. It looks like he didn't suffer any broken bones. He just, uh, I guess he broke some teeth and had some facial lacerations but it looks like he's going to be okay, although he's still in the hospital. So our thoughts, prayers, and um, uh, vibes, good vibes go out to Mr. Errol Spence Jr. So getting started here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing run. And if you do want to call in, you can do so at 323-580-5735, including what went down in fights and outside the ring in the last couple of weeks of boxing, which is quite a lot. And we're going to talk about how it affects 
the world of female boxing in some minutes. But starting off with the fight results, going into the review, and checking out that on Friday, September 27th in London, Nicola Adams defending her full-fledged WBO flyweight title for the first time, squeaked by with the draw against tough Mexican Maria Salinas in a 10-rounder. In London, the scores were 97-93 for Adams, 96-94 for Salinas, and an even 95-95. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this fight, David and Lupi, but I did. And as expected, you know, Nicola Adams being a former Olympian, I think she won a couple of gold medals or some medals in the Olympics uh, in the last couple of cycles. You know, she was very uh, mobile. She's a very good boxer, and she was able to have a pretty good good half of the fight, but it looks like Maria Salinas closed it out, closed it out and a lot of people saw Maria Salinas win that fight, being that it was in London and Nicola's home court. It makes it a little bit harder, but uh, for a lot of people, including myself, I thought it was pretty evident that that 96-94 for Salinas probably would have been the right call. David, you get a chance to see that fight? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I, what, what I noticed is that uh, Nicola Adams did a lot of holding, and she was never really uh, penalized for that. I mean, her defense was just holding. There was no blocking, no slipping. It was just holding and holding and holding. And she really made that fight um, pretty slow, and Salinas did her best to, to score. She never held at all, but Nicola did. And um, that reason alone, I thought she, that Nicola lost the fight. Lupe, did you get a chance to catch this fight? Yeah, and I agree with everything you guys said, everything that David said. I mean, it should have been enough to win the fight. But, again, if you're on somebody else's turf, you gotta, you can't leave it in the judge's hands. And and you're right about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and we talked about in the last show how Nicola Adams' run as a WBO champion is a little bit tainted right now. I mean, we we discussed and we explained how she got to win that full-fledged title for the WBO when um, uh, Areli Musino got stripped of it because of an injury, although uh, although Adams was also at one point injured and was not able to challenge the champion at at, at its at her time, which was Lucino. Um, and now with this, um, with this result, it kind of taints her run as a WBO champion to see who's what's next for her. I mean, she could give Salinas the rematch. I mean, obviously it would have to be in England because she is the, the ticket seller out there. But, I mean, at least if she gets the rematch, it kind of gives us a chance to see that Adams wants to be a real competitor and not just squeak by with these kind of decisions. And also um, – you know, the way that she won the title. So we'll see what happens there in the future for the 112 pounds in the WBO. On Sunday, September 29th, in Mexico City, in a very quiet, non-televised fight, Sulina Laloba Muñoz, former super flyweight champion for the WBC, came back after a surprising loss to Mayeli Flores with a unanimous decision over Sandra Hernandez over 10 rounds at 118 pounds. And on Friday, October 4th in New Zealand, Giovanna Perez, or I don't know how you pronounce that with an S at the end, uh, scored a TKO in eight eight rounds in a Schedule 10 to defend her 175-pound semi-heavyweight title against Claire Hefner. Like we mentioned on our last show, the WBO is the only sanctioning body that has a 175-pound title for female boxing. And in Poland, the same Friday, Ewa Bronica scored a 
split decision win over Argentinian Soledad Matisse in a 10-rounder to defend her WBO 126-pound title. The scores there were 97-93 and 96-94 for Branica and 96-95 for Matisse. And talking about holding, I wasn't able to find a, a full fight, a full video of the whole fight, but there are some highlights, about 10 minutes long and highlights of this uh, fight. And um, if those were the highlights, then I don't really want to see the rest of the fight because, David, I don't yeah. know if you saw those highlights. I sent it to you guys. You would have had a heart attack if you did because if you thought Nicola Adams was holding, Bronica, <laughs> that's all she did, you know? And yeah, yeah. And, you know, she took a pit. There was, there was, there was a, you know, no love lost between Bronica and Matisse from the get-go at the weigh-in. And I think this video made the rounds where at the – at the weigh-in, at the face-off, Bronica, the Polish fighter, took a page of Michaela Lawrence's uh, rule book or, or manual of weigh-ins, planning a big wet kiss on Matisse. Matisse didn't like that and slapped her, and then a little slap fight uh, ensued until they were separated. Then, after the fight, Matisse obviously and justifiably was very upset about the decision, losing a split decision when she thought she won because she was the aggressor and the one not holding throughout the fight. And she basically gave Bronica the finger when Bronica tried to kind of like, you know, hug her and, and say, you know, well, good luck next time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Matisa was very upset and basically flipped her off. So, uh, you know, very interesting. This fight was mentioned and promoted for a couple months. I mean, they had been, it had been announced for a, a couple months and I had never really seen a lot of Bronica, but, but what I saw in those 10 minutes, I don't really want to see her again. Yeah. We had a reporter over there and he, he said the same thing that uh, there was an incessant holding and he actually thought she lost. I did read that report by uh, the, the correspondent. I forgot his name, David, and hopefully you can remind me, but um, uh, it was, good write-up and I kind of got the sense of what happened in that fight but if you guys get a chance to watch the, the highlights there on YouTube uh, you could probably see the whole fight in those 10 minutes highlights of exactly what went down now on Saturday October 5th from Flint Michigan Salido Promotions on Showtime was to present in the main event Clarissa Shields bid to become the fastest uh, three divisional world champion in the history of boxing she was going to try to do it in 10 fights, uh, whereas uh, Japanese Ioka and Vasily Lomachenko achieved it in 12 fights. But she did not get her chance because that fight was canceled after an incident. We're going to discuss in a couple of minutes that happened at the weigh-in with her opponent, Ivana Habazin, and, his, and her trainer, James Bashir Ali. So that fight was scratched. And on the same card, it wasn't uh, televised, but the IBO, I believe, middleweight champion? No, super welterweight champion, the IBO super welterweight champion, Hannah Rankin, scored unanimous decision over Terran Tuffield in a six-rounder. Scores there were 60-54 three times. And the last result we have here on Sunday, October 6th, in Slovenia, Emma Colzin, a fighter that we've been talking about for quite a while, scored unanimous decision over Maria Lindbergh in a 10-rounder uh, in a super middleweight uh, title fight for the vacant IBO and WIBA uh, titles. So moving on to a little bit of the fight chatter where we're going to touch bases on that uh, Clarissa Shields incident and kind of delve into that. Let's talk about 
something that happened prior to that, which was the Heather Hardy uh, positive test for a substance called Lasix. And I'm just going to read a couple of excerpts from the statement that she put out on her social media regarding her VADA positive test for a banned substance. And she stated on her um, social media, my VADA test came back negative for PEDs, but a, but a prescription medication was, quote, unquote, detected, something I had never heard of, so I was, course, of course, alarmed. The med is a diuretic water pill that can be used for heart and but for me, it's something I take in low doses for PMS bloating. Let's be clear. I asked for VADA testing. When I was tested, I told the screener that I had recently taken a prescription version of Mitol, an over-the-counter PMS diuretic and pain medication. It's banned not because it improves performance, but because some people who take PEDs use them to hide their cheating. I am not one of those people. Instead, I'm a woman who retains water during period. David, your thoughts on the, on the on that statement and on the test result and anything else in between? Well, um, for women, it's brand new. They had never been tested before in all the years that women's boxing has uh, existed. And this year, they're actually tested. So I expect all these kind of findings because there's a long list of things, banned substances they can't take. And I knew that somebody was going to overlook these. I knew that somebody was going to think that, well, I'm not taking PEDs, but not reading the list, I knew that they would take something they can't. Like, I mean, there's even cough medicines. There's even food items that you can ingest. And, and you would think they're harmless, but they do register a, a positive testing. So, I expected it, but it, you know somebody had to be the first to 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 show to have a bad test, and I uh, you know it, it's a big warning flag to all women. Make sure that you read that list of banned substances. You have to read it. Go to the vada.org site and check out the list. There's a list there, and you can uh, find out what you can't take. And, and that's for all women. I expected it. It's not unexpected. Lupi? Yes. Do you have yes. any thoughts or, or any, uh, anything you can share with us regarding the statement and or the findings? Well, you know, I don't know Heather Hardy personally. Um, I just know her through social media and through her fights. And she's pretty open on social media, you know, with her, with her fighting, her daughter, her personal life. I don't see her, like she says, I'm not that person. I don't think she's that person either. I really don't. I don't think she's, you know what I mean? She's not guilty. She, it's exactly what she said. And it was too bad in a way that it was her that was the first, but in a way it was okay that it was her because she's an open book, you know, and you can look at her and say, yeah, you know what? She, it, she didn't. It was a it was a prescription mitol, and you you know I mean you take her at face value. Now, she does mention in her statement, which was pretty lengthy, and it only took a couple of experts, uh, a couple of parts of it to share here with you guys. But she did mention in that in that statement that she mentioned to the screener that she had taken that prescription version of mitol, uh, which was a little bit stronger than something I believe that you could buy. 
um, you know, over the counter or, yeah, because she says it was a prescription version of Mito, right? Mito, I believe that you could buy over the counter, but the one that she was taking was a, a bit stronger than that. And that she mentioned it to the screener. And I do know that in the past, if you are taking something and you're going to be tested, like I remember years and years ago, um, Lamont Peterson was caught for testosterone, but he had reported it because he had gone to the doctor and told the doctor that he felt sluggish and blah, blah, blah. And they found that his testosterone was low. So they prescribed him testosterone and he took it and it came up positive test, but he was not, uh, suspended or admonished for it because he reported it. So I don't know if it's the same reporting it to the screener who I understand might be the person who's only there to collect the sample being the same as filling out the actual form and stating exactly mm-hmm. what you're taking. So I don't know if that was mm-hmm. a difference in that, in, in, in that uh, version of Heather Hardy's uh, account. Now, a question mm-hmm. that I, I posed for you guys and we'll start with Lupi, is that do you think the banned list should be amended for women? Because we all know, especially women, obviously, because they're the ones that suffer from it, that when they are on their premenstrual cycle, there tends to be some women that blow and retain water, and that for a boxer could be very detrimental to them making weight. So... Do you think that the list should be amended, the banned list, so that they do allow these kind of medicines with the risk that somebody could take advantage of it and use it to mask something else that they might use it? Lupi, what are your thoughts on that question? Yeah, they should amend the list. Uh, I mean, and then it becomes a trust a trust thing, you know, but we do – women on their periods, everyone has a different one. Some people retain water. Some people go through extreme pain and nausea, vomiting. So you and we take stronger things. And actually, do we even know what we're taking? No, because we just want the pain and everything to go away. So it should be amended. And you know what? I mean, if somebody's going to use it, somebody's always going to find a way to to mask the pets or do something to cover it up. So it's really a trust thing from there. David. David? Well, you know that's a that's a good question. I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't I don't have enough knowledge about that, but I, I think we could probably ask somebody like a, a Dr. Margaret Goodman for um, you know that kind of question, whether or not uh, she would be the one to be able to to answer that question because I I can't. I don't have that kind of expertise. <laughs> now, um, the the WBC. Uh, it was about a year ago, maybe, that I got into a little bit of a discussion with one of the uh, executives of the WBC when Brenda Flores, in her fight against Luisa Hodden for the Adam Weight title, 102 pounds, came in heavy for that um, for that title fight, and the WBC still allowed to fight to go on without her dropping in weight and. And with, and with the fight still going on as a title fight, because they claim that in the rule book, which I've never seen, and they were never able to produce, allowed for about a pound, give or take, from the official weight 
because of water retention. So I don't know. I mean, that, that's something that could be asked. We asked actually uh, a week later after that happened or a couple weeks later if the current WBC super middleweight champion, Franchon Cruz de Zern, have been told by the WBC that she could get weigh in um, a pound heavier and still be a title fight. And she, she started laughing. She thought that it was ridiculous for them to even have that rule and that she had never been mentioned that. So I don't know if that was a rule that the WBC has or they were just kind of giving us some lip service to uh, still allow that fight to go on as a world title fight. So um, let's patch in Miss Blanca Gutierrez, who just happens, full disclosure, be Lupi's sister, but also she is the founder and CEO of the Beautiful Brawlers program out there in the Bay Area that has to do a lot with um, amateur fighting. So let's patch her in. Blanca, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Thanks for having hey. me. Hi, Liz. Thank you, Blanca, for joining us here. Hey. And go ahead. Hello? Who, me? Hi. Yeah, yeah. Blanca, <laughs> one question, one question yes. before we get into your thoughts about the Heather Hardy um, issue, and then we'll talk about Clarissa Shields. Um, why isn't your sister over at your house where you have electricity and she doesn't? <laughs> because she likes uh, being in her neighborhood. It's a, it's a little bit nicer than mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just want to know. I live by the beach. I live by the beach. We we live close enough that we see each other every weekend, but during the week we work, so it's a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, it's far. Hello. It's far during traffic. Well, there you go. There you go. I just thought that maybe, you know, she could come over and have some ice cream because obviously her ice cream is melting in her fridge as we speak. Oh, my God. It is. Lupe, you can come over. He's giving me the guilt trip. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> hey, Felipe. My yes. mother-in-law only lives – my mother-in-law lives about 15 minutes away, so if I really need a place to stay, I can just go with her down the street. Oh, uh, and she has electricity? Yes, yeah, she does. Oh, okay, good for her. Okay, so uh, Blanca, I, I think you patched in while we were talking about the Heather Hardy incident, and we didn't really get into it, but Amanda Serrano had some choice words to say about it on on, on a social media, stating that, you know, she's a clean fighter, although that is, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's uh, questionable, because obviously she's never come up positive for anything. Uh, I don't exactly know what she has been tested for, but we do know that there is some history with illegal substances or in not only her past, but her sister's past and her trainer's past as well. If you want to Google that, you can do so and, and find that story. But that's not really here nor there regarding this story with Heather Hardy. So what are your thoughts about Heather Hardy's comment and statement and, um, and the, the fact that she came up positive for a PED in the last fight with Amanda Serrano? Well, I, I just heard that that was, pretty much um, this is how I really think there was a history I mean and anybody who knows boxing and I, and I like both girls believe me and I like Amanda Serrano um, there was a history back then so for somebody to bring it up who had a history of actually there was convictions but I mean here nor there I don't know the exact story but you could pull it up on Google I wouldn't I mean I just I don't think Heather Hardy took a performance enhancing drug and I think that's a difference. And I just think that um, Amanda's, I feel that Amanda's blowing it out of proportion because she won the fight anyway. So what, you know, I, I just, there was a history there. You won the fight and 
they were claiming to be really great friends, but after the fight, she really came after Heather Hardy. I just thought that was a little odd to me. But she has her opinion, you know. She didn't want to fight somebody with a, a substance in there that was banned, but I really don't think it was a performance-enhancing drug. So I, I think she who cares? I don't think any of us really care. I, I agree. I agree with that because I think that that um, I think that even though in, in this time of day, I mean, obviously we want to have a clean sport and, and we want it to be fair across the board for everybody that's getting inside the ring because we know, being so much into the sport, that tragedies can happen if somebody has a, an unfair advantage over the over their opponent. You know, we've seen it time and time again throughout the sport of boxing. It doesn't necessarily need to be PEDs. It could be hand wraps. It could be gloves. It could be anything, you know, that that can be used as an advantage over your opponent. Um, you know what I thought the real tragedy was, Felipe, is it was a boring fight. And the fact that it was hyped up to be that this was going to be a great fight, and it was actually, you know, lackluster. So that's, that was the real tragedy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I somewhat agree with that because we were expecting a little bit more fireworks. It could have been the fact that Amanda Serrano was able to shut down Heather Hardy. Although I think that Heather Hardy did try to win, but just obviously she was overmatched in that fight. But what I, the point that I was trying to make was that I think we're, as a, as a, as a boxing fans and, and boxing media, sometimes we're a little bit um, quick to jump the gun and because somebody gives a positive, you know, we sometimes quick to jump the gun and say that they're automatically cheaters, where in this case, it could have been, although she should have been on top of it, she's a world-class fighter, and, you know, this is her this is her, her sport, and this is the way that she makes a living. Sometimes things fall through the cracks, and I, I agree with Lupi and with you, Blanca, and I'm sure with, I don't know about David, he hasn't really given his opinion if he feels that it was a mistake or not, but I feel that it was a, a simple mistake that, I don't think she's masking anything because this thing could be used as a masking agent. Seeing her body, it doesn't look like she's using anything that would make her uh, change her body. She looks like a, a, right. fit, a fit mother in her late 30s. So um, I, I think that it was a little bit uh, jumping the gun by everybody involved, including Amanda Serrano. Yeah, me too. It was overdone. And like I said, a lot of people really didn't care. I mean, it, it was performance enhancing, and you could see that because if it was, she would have been a raging lunatic in there, and it would have been a better, like a more action-packed fight. So, you know, I feel bad that Heather has to deal with that because she gave it her own. She lost. Now, uh, unless anybody has another statement or anything regarding this, I would like to jump into the Clarissa Shields uh, incident. Anybody else with uh, Heather Hardy, Amanda Serrano thing? David or Lupi? No. 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 Okay, David. You're the most educated person in the panel, I believe, um, going to UCLA and, and graduating from there. So why don't you give us your account or what you believe is the account of what we can talk and not talk or say, not, not that we can or not talk about it, but we don't want to allege, we don't want to accuse anything or anybody regarding Clarissa Shields. We want to give everybody their fair treatment. So why don't you give us what you've research and what you've seen and what you found out about what happened that Friday, this last Friday at that weigh-in? Well, 
but by all accounts that I've read, because it wasn't there uh, and seen, is that you know the initial problem started just when uh, Clarissa stepped on a scale, and the opposing uh, the opposing uh, fighter's trainer wanted to see, and then a woman uh, confronted him. Uh, I'm talking about James uh, Ali Bashir. And they started arguing, and then they were separated. And then Clarissa left. Uh, she left and went to another room because um, that wasn't the official weigh-in yet. That was she was just stepping on the scale. And uh, after that, you know, hell broke loose. Somebody hit uh, Bashir, uh, uh, James uh, Ali Bashir, and uh, that's where the problem is. That and there was a lot of people around there, a lot of people that shouldn't have been there. If if you've ever been to a weigh-in, you know that you just have mainly inspectors, the chief second for each side, which is the trainer usually, and the fighter. And that's it, just the inspectors. Nobody else, no friends or acquaintances or anybody. They're all supposed to be away. And that wasn't the case there. Um and well, actually, it wasn't even the official weigh-in. That was they were just there was a scale there, and they stepped to it. So maybe that's what happened. But uh, apparently, somebody sneak attacked uh, uh, Ali Bashir, and he was injured seriously. And that's all that I know. That's all that I can point as facts. I know that uh, one of the WBC officials was there. Uh, what's her name? Jill uh, Diamond. And, yeah, and she's the only one that I know uh, that said that for sure that Clarissa Shields was not there when that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into it and, and get everybody's opinion about what happened and how it can affect boxing, because it's going to affect female boxing, believe it or not, at least in the United States, um, Clarissa Shields also uh, posted a, a statement on her social media. First, she went she went on, on like a, a, a live video. I think it was believe on her Instagram, which I believe was a mistake because it was, I believe, a couple hours before the, after the incident, where nobody knew how serious uh, Mr. Bashir Ali's um, injuries were, and she stated on that video that the fight could still go on. And that Habitin should just get another trainer, have somebody fly in and and help her in the ring. But then after the news came out of how serious Mr. Uh, Bashir Ali was injured, uh, obviously she 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 re- she didn't retract from what she stated, but she did post a a more um, uh, a more understanding statement on Instagram and another social media. And I did pull some experts here to share with you. And she said, and I quote, I've had time to reflect on what happened. And I want you guys to hear it personally from me. My heart is with coach Ali, a coach who has given his heart to this sport and to so many fighters over a long career. My heart is with Ivana Havazin, who courage, discipline, and heart were evident in the way she trained for this day and traveled a long distance to realize my dream of fighting in my hometown of Flint. What happened yesterday was inexcusable and unbearable. It should not have happened. 
I am still sorting through what happened yesterday and reflecting on my role and what led up to this attack. I did not see what happened, and I am relying, like so many of you, on what I have heard. Despite the videos that are out, the actions that took place against Coach Ali were not right. I do not stand for what for that and do not and not in any way justify what happened no matter what he said. I stand with Coach Ali and Ivana Habazin. So that was Clarissa's uh, somewhat some parts of her statement regarding that. Lupi, what do you, what do you think about this? How does it affect boxing? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I'm with you. I don't think she should have put the statement out right away. I think she should have thought about, you know, you have to take a step back because it was just chaos. I can just imagine how chaotic it was. And you have to take a step back with the team and just wait, talk, figure out what's going on. Um, you know, it is going to affect female boxing. And, and hopefully it's already, there's a lot of ne- negativity out there. But I hope, in a way, it affects female boxing in a positive way. You know, I've been with my sister two years now with Beautiful Brawlers. And, you know, I'm a licensed coach. I might not be a boxing coach in the corner, but I'm a different kind of coach. I I talk to the girls. I talk to them about their social media. I talk to them how they carry themselves. Even girls that I don't really – I know a little bit that aren't even part of Beautiful Brawlers as a team. If I see something that I feel they're going out a little bit farther, I talk to them privately. So – in that way, I hope that there's more positivity with the team and maybe bringing in more women because we know it's it's all negative right now. So I'm hoping that it, it just – there's some positive things that come out of that in that way. Blanca? Well, is it negative for female boxing? No. Is it negative for Calista Shields? Yes. And as far as um, – Clarissa Shields is concerned. She's still young. You know, she grew up in an environment where she probably needed better guidance and she and more education. And mm-hmm. she needed, I don't understand. This is my, my big thing. When Martha fought and I was a manager, I didn't let anybody around Martha. Martha's only goal was to relax and get ready for the fight. No one came around. No one was there at the wind to bother anybody. But that was a controlled environment. And with a fighter with the status of two Olympic gold medals and someone who has everything to gain but more to lose, she should have had um, a team with her, somebody that cares that as soon as that happens, they should have put her in a room, sat with Jill Diamond or whoever the people representing the belts, and kept, got the phone and taken it away from her. That's my that's my thing. There's so much on social media that I think that really hurts a fighter. You can't go out and say things like that. But it was up to her team to be able to control that. And I, I'm not going to blame Clarissa on any of it um, because her only job was really to go there, represent herself, um, get on the scale, make weight, and fight. Mm-hmm. That's her job. And um, yes. I feel like they really failed her. And I think that she should take a step back and look who her, te- who her team is. And um, I'm not going to chastise Mark Caffett. I believe he's a strong person. But just because we're women doesn't mean that you shouldn't give us the best team available that's going to watch your social media and help you uh, represent yourself well. 
And I think they really failed her on that. And I don't blame Clarissa for any of that. So that's how I feel. Um, why did well, they do any differently? I think yeah. that I think I think that uh, you know, Clarissa Shields. We've seen it on social media. We've seen it on other videos that have popped up in the past and maybe since then I saw a video that I had never seen before where she's at a amateur boxing show and one of her acquaintances or a fighter from her gym loses and she gets into it with the mother of the guy that won, which I, I think was very inappropriate. But we know that she has a very strong personality and I think it's very hard for a manager like Mark Taffet, who we had on the show, who spoke very highly of her, but also allows her to be her allows her to be Clarissa Shields at her 23, 24 years old. And it's very hard for Mark Taffet to go over there and say, hey, give me your phone. I don't want you on that thing. I mean, he mentioned to yeah, it on, on, he mentioned it on the show here that he has to let her be her and she needs to learn from this. And I think that's one of the biggest things she's going to take from this is that hopefully she matures and she learns from this incident and kind of pulls the reins on her team. Because although we don't know exactly who did it, there are suspects in, in this incident and that suspect is is allegedly somebody that was wearing a Clarissa Shields jacket that gives us a, a, a an idea that he was somewhat close to her. So she needs to know exactly who is wearing her jacket, who is going to be considered part of her team, and how they're going to react to certain situations. And obviously this person didn't react the way that anybody expected it. Now, is it negative for female boxing? I think it is. Because this fight was going to be on Showtime. It was going to be the main event on a Saturday night. She had been the main event on a Friday night before. before. But this was going to be the first main event on a Saturday night. And Showtime lost a lot of money. They had TV yeah, crews that's there. That's they had TV crews there. They had, they had their personalities there. I mean, they still had a fight card with Jaron uh, Ennis. But it wasn't Clarissa Shields. He's not from Flint, Michigan. She was going to be the star. This was the fight that was going to make her go into the history books, and it went out the window. And now the way that Showtime is that we don't know if they're still even in boxing with other fighters that had been developed on that fight on that platform going to Fox. Although Steven Espinosa is adamant that that Showtime is still in the boxing game, I don't know. How, I don't know what kind of taste in his mouth this left for female boxing on the network because as of two or three, maybe a year, year and a half, the only female boxing on Showtime was Clarissa Shields. And now you have a fighter that it wasn't her, but it was somebody around her that made the network lose a lot of money. You know, so I think that it does. She lost a lot of money as well. So I think it does affect her and affect boxing. Um, negatively at least well female boxing it does so my big takeaway is that hopefully this is somewhat of a lesson that it, it, it make it matures her to the point where she needs to kind of like pull back get together with mark taffet get together with her coach john david jackson and say we need to kind of control this a little bit better so that this doesn't happen again before we uh, patch in another caller david you gave us the 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 the, the facts but what is your opinion about this whole situation? Well, it's like uh, it's happened in men's boxing many, many, many times, going back uh, over a hundred years. So, I mean, can 
we, can anybody control it? No, I don't think so. I mean, you can do your best. That's all you can do is try to think of everything in advance, uh, beef up security, make sure that you get the right people, but you can't really control it 100%. Uh, I think I, I mentioned to you and Lupe before that, hey, I remember when Oscar De Loya was going to fight Fernando Vargas, and that turned into a melee during the weigh-in, and people, somebody got their leg broken, and, and punches were thrown, East L.A. guys versus Oxnard guys, and it was a big riot. And there's not, you can't prevent everything. You could try. Mm-hmm. But so I, I don't think they're really at fault. I don't think uh, Clarissa Shields was at fault for anything. I mean, you can't control all your supporters. Uh, but you can do certain things like, for instance, in the, in the way in maybe just have the people involved, the mm-hmm. actual people, you know, and, and separate it. Like at the big events, you always separate the fans from the uh, people doing the weigh-in. Uh, that's the only thing they can do. And, and they should, in the future, I'm sure they're going to do a real good job of that. Well, that I, I agree with that, David, and, and I agree with what your statement about the Oscar de la Hoya, that it happens in boxing all the time, but I think I think that right now where we're at with female boxing, we're at a point at, that we have never been before with female boxing. You know, we had... You know, obviously the era of Christy Martin, Layla Lee, where they were put on these pay-per-view fights, and it got it got big, and Christy Martin was on on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But the talent pool wasn't what it is now with the type of competitive fights that we can see now. Um, also, we had that little era in the '90s when like Elena Reed was fighting on ESPN and other fighters. But again, the talent pool wasn't what it was now. Now we have this talent pool where we have these former Olympians and the biggest female boxing Olympian in the history of the sport, which is Clarissa Shields. And we haven't fighting on these big platforms where we had never seen female boxing before, like HBO and Showtime and the new apps like The Zone, where they're the same main event for these big fights like Anthony Joshua against John Reese Jr. on June 1st. And I'm speaking about Katie Taylor. So I hate to say that, that female boxing should be treated different, but female boxing should treat them itself different and put on their best face and their best foot forward to prove that that they belong at this that that female boxing belongs at this level male boxing it's all it's been there for a hundred years and there's all the superstars have been male fighters mike tyson oscar de la Hoya, sugar ray leonard floyd mayweather manny pacquiao you know so I mean, Manny Pacquiao's gotten in hot water for some remarks he said. Um, but he's but he's huge. Floyd Mayweather got in some hot water for things he has done and said. He's huge. Oscars, huge. Mike Tyson, huge. No female fighters at that level where they can, in my opinion, let this stuff happen because it's going to make us take two steps back. Those two steps back for female boxing are huge comparable to the two steps back that male boxing can have. At, at any point. And I think until we get to that level, we have to be very careful about how female boxing is being portrayed. And the things with Heather Hardy and Clarissa Shields, I think, but, but, uh, but that's the way I see it. And the, I don't blame Clarissa Shields at all. I mean, she can't control at this. I mean, she could control who's around her and who's wearing that jacket and who's going to be associated with her team. And I believe that now, hopefully, uh, they get together and control that. But before that, 
I don't think anybody knew that this was going to happen. You know, uh, I'm going to patch in our caller, 650-201. Please uh, state uh, your name and where you're calling from. Hi, my name is Robert, and I'm from Millbury, California. Hello, Robert. How you doing? Thank you for calling the two-minute round. What did you What did you want to uh, comment on? What's your comment? Um, What's your comment? Uh, well, well, my comment is really the – it's funny that Mr. Avila mentioned uh, Oscar De La Hoya versus Fernando Vargas because um, – and you're probably going to address this in a little bit, but with the big announcement of Sunisa Estrada versus Marlena Sparza coming up, on November 2nd, I, I find that, like, the female De La Hoya versus Vargas because of the pure bad blood between them. So I get De La Hoya versus Vargas vibes off that fight, which I think is going to be huge for Ms. Box, and I'm very excited for that fight, you know. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it's also on a big platform. There is bad blood between them. We've had Sinise Estrada here on the show. Uh, unfortunately, we never had Marlena Esparza, and hopefully we can get her soon, maybe before the fight. But we've seen the uh, trash talking that has happened between them. But I do believe that we're not going to see the same incident um, in their weigh-in because, A, it's not the main event. B, uh, people are going to be ready for something like this because of, of, of what happened with Clarissa Shields. And C, I don't think neither Sinisa Strata or Marlene Sparza and their teams um, will be will – be, I don't think it's like that for them. I don't think it's them throwing punches. I think there is bad blood. I think they don't like each other, but I think there's enough of respect for each other and the sport that they would go uh, in those extremes. What do you think, David? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a different scenario, but there, it is going to be um, pretty fun to watch even before the fight because there's going to be a lot of, of back and forth kind of words thrown at each other because uh, this goes back years. And I'm not even talking about their professional years. I'm talking even before, during their amateur years. Uh, uh, Sunisa, I know, always wanted to fight Marlon and never got the chance during the amateurs. So, yeah, there is a lot of bad blood. And it, it should be a pretty good, uh, pretty good showdown. Think, Black. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, I can give your opinion on that. I believe this is going to be a fight for candidate of fight of the year. And I say that because not only the bad blood, I've seen both of them spar. I've gotten both of them sparring um, in separate locations, you know. And um, both have different. Uh, just put it this way, Tanisha's good, and she has great body shots, and she's really strong. And, you know, I really, I like Tanisha a lot, and and Marlene, it's got that marketability. And even though people might not like her attitude or like her, she's marketable, and she's going to show up to fight. So I really, I think it's going to be a, a great fight because she's going to have to fight, and they both are going to have to put on a show and uh, live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Robert, Robert, any other comments or questions? Um, well, yes. You know, I also want to say this uh, to Mr. Avila, to David Avila, because I didn't get a chance to say this to you at the Hall of Fame, but congratulations on your induction, sir. It was an honor to be there, um, to see you get inducted into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame for your contributions, because um, I remember watching you on HBO 
talking about um, like Oscar De La Hoya fighting Rafael Ruelas when he was coming up and how a lot of people weren't expecting him to win that fight. So it was an honor to to see you get inducted. And even though I didn't get to meet you in person, thank you for uh, the support on social media. Oh, hey, thank you. Really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And, thank you, Robert. Um, for Block, Go ahead, Go ahead, Robert. Oh, yeah, Sorry. I also wanted to, to give a shout-out to Blanca and Lupe because uh, they're my boxing sisters, and I'm happy to have known them for, like, almost five years now. And, you know, I love seeing what they do for women's boxing. And we're all just a family, so I'm glad that I am glad that I know them. And uh, shout-out to Lupe for being a part of this of this show. And, of course, much respect to Blanca for everything she does. Thank, Thank you, Robert. You. We don't scare the hell out of you when we're together, me and Lupe. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for calling in, and hopefully we uh, we hear from you again here on the two minute round. Well, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And there you go, is Robert. And he, you know, it's funny how David, you know, he he acts like like he's not a big deal, but he's definitely a big deal. I mean, you see this young man. Uh, remember him from those uh, HBO pay-per-view previews and um and, and it's exactly where i remember david as well i mean i used to watch those shows right before the pay-per-view and they would loop them you know two or three hours before so they're only half an hour long so you would watch them two or three times before the pay-per-view began and david was on there so when i started writing for fightings.com uh years and years ago and i went to a fight in la and all of a sudden i see in the flesh mr david avila sitting there ringside you know it meant something and and for us to be able to develop a a friendship and a, a working relationship through this show and other things it, it's quite it's quite exciting and i thank you again david too for giving me the opportunity to be on this show with you and, and for being your friend hey, it's an honor it's an honor being on this show i'm glad you asked me well hey, thank you david and to close out uh the uh clarissa shields uh, saga, and hopefully it does get closed down fairly quickly, but not just yet, because as of a couple of days ago, it was reported that the coach, Ali, when he got back to New, uh, to New Jersey, I, I find it kind of hard. They called them. The hospital called them and told them, you need to get yourself to a nearby hospital as soon as you can, because we have discovered that you have a, a brain bleed, and he, he did that, and since then, I have not seen any reports or any updates on his condition. I don't know if you guys have, Lupe or Blanca or David, uh, as far as him actually going to the hospital for that brain bleed and what happened there. Uh, the update I heard was from um, Ivana, and she said that he was feeling better, he was coherent and speaking, and he was actually mm-hmm. uh, texting his friends. That's the last thing I heard. Okay. Me too. Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, let's move on and to another uh, to another subject here on the fight chatter. And Robert, kind of our our, our caller, kind of broke it before we were able to do it. But it was announced uh, this week that the current WBC light flyweight silver champion Sinisa Estrada from East LA will be going up to the flyweight division, which is only four pounds to face former Olymp bronze medalist in 2012, Marlene Esparza, for the interim WBA flyweight title. That is was announced as part of the paper, not pay-per-views, part of the main card 
on the the zone broadcast for Sergi Kovalev against Saul Canelo Alvarez on November 2nd from Las Vegas. Um, you know, which is something that it's a big step for women's boxing. It's a big step for Golden Boy promotions. It's a big step for both women. Marlene Esparza has been adamant, and I believe it's in her contract with Golden Boy that she is considered at least for uh, the Saul Canelo fight cards. And I have been a little bit of a critic about that in the past because I have been to, since she got signed, I've been to one of the Canelo Alvarez fight cards when she fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. That was in May of 2017. And she fought, and including me, there must have been about six people in the in the T-Mobile arena when she fought. <laughs> You know, including me and David, because I know David was there too. Um, and and, I, and for her to be at, at who she is, and, and Blanca mentioning that she's very marketable, which she is. I mean, she's had contracts with Nike. She's had a contract with uh-huh. uh, uh, what's that? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't use paper, so you, yeah, yeah L'Oreal, L'Oreal, that and uh, and a bunch of other uh, manufacturers Coca-Cola. and big companies, Coca Cola, McDonald's. You know, so she's very remarkable. And for her to be fighting on the undercard where there's like about, uh, honestly, there's about 100 people there. Because uh, in Vegas, everybody gets there right before the main event or uh, on the main on the on main card. Nobody's there for the preliminary. And especially there for the second fight. I think that, that those fights could have been a lot better, like at the Fantasy Springs Casino or at the Belasco, or any other fight, at the StubHub, any other fight where there could have been a little bit more fans to see her because at the end you want to develop the fighter. But she felt that fighting on the Canelo card was a bigger a bigger step. Uh, well, now she is going to be fighting on the Canelo card, and it's going to be a big part of the Canelo card because it's going to be part of the main card, and Sinis Estrada is going to be there as well facing her. David... You know, you follow these fighters for a long time. You, you're you from East L.A., from the L.A. area, where Sinise Estrada has been. You've seen her go from a little girl on the cover of the L.A. Times to the woman that she is now, the undefeated champion uh, for the WBC Silver Light Flyweight cha- title. Give us your thoughts about the significance of this fight. Well, for, um, for Los Angeles, it's, it's a very big fight because she's – one that has been followed since she was young. And, you know, that's rare. That's rare to see somebody young all the way to pros. And before that, uh, most of the girls that, were, that became pros came straight pro- just became pros. They, they didn't even have an amateur background. Very few did. And to see her come uh, from the beginning to pros, that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty well-documented journey. And the same with uh, the the same with uh, Marlon. Lupe, Lupe, yeah. what do you what, what what do you think about this fight? What does it mean for female boxing and the fact that it is on this card uh, on the Canelo Kovalev card? I'm so excited about this fight, and this is great for female boxing. And Blanca, you're right, fight of the year. Because I think they will pull it out. I mean, Sunny, they both want to, they both want to beat each other, badly. So, 
Denisa, she knows she's got to keep working. And Marlene, she's going to come. I mean, she's they're going to go all out for this. You know, I, I see the girls who really follow them. Uh, a lot of the girls who follow me on social media and when I do my posts on Denise or Marlene, Denise has got a huge California following, L.A. following. All the girls love her in L.A. And Marlene has a – it seems like she has a broader base. She has not only Texas, she has a lot of the L.A. girls too because she's Mexican-American. So it's going to be huge, huge. I, and we're going to we'll be there. Yeah. I think that – I think that – a lot of it's going to fall for this to be a good fight, in my opinion, on Marlene Esparza. Because I said it here before, I think we've had the conversations here before, that at least for me, in my opinion, between the two, the one that is more developed as a pro fighter is Denise Estrada. And David has mentioned it time and time again since she's signed to Golden Boy Promotions and she's getting that much more activity that she's really improving and she's really developing her power. So Denise mm-hmm. Estrada, to me, is the more experienced, the more seasoned, and to me, the favorite fighter on this on this fight. So Marlene Sparta, to me, is either going to have to fight at that level and step up her level in a way that not seeing her do as a professional or she's going to get run over by Cines Estrada and it's going to be a blowout. If, if Marlene Esparza, I don't know if she knocks her out, but maybe she just dominates the whole fight. Estrada, if Esparza doesn't go up to that level. Now, if Esparza does go up to that level and shows us something that we had not seen before of her as a professional, then I completely agree with Blanca and Lupi that this is going to be a, a, a fight of the year candidate and very competitive fight. Um, both of them are very technical. They know how to box. You know, Sinesa Strada knows how to do a lot of things. She switch, uh, switches stances. She's very quick with her hands. Marlene Esparza, we haven't really seen a lot of that or a lot of quickness. We haven't. I personally haven't seen her develop a style yet. But hopefully she puts it all together on November 2nd. Now, what I also find very interesting is if Inessa Estrada turns out to win, how does this affect her plans? Because she has been on the show here before. She has been very adamant about getting a world title opportunity, which she is getting right now, which is the interim WBA flyweight title. But she was also very adamant about getting a world title opportunity at 108 pounds. And even maybe going down to 105 pounds to challenge the WBA straw champion, Anabel La Avispa Ortiz. Now, she's not going down, but she's actually going up. So if she is to keep that WBA flyweight title and being the interim champion, she would have to defend it at 112 pounds or challenge the full-fledged champion who is Fuyokin, uh, uh Help me with the name, David. Naoko Fuyoka. Fuyoka. Yeah, exactly. So I want to see if Denise Estrada pulls it off, how this affects those plans that she had laid out for us here on the show on the two-minute round. So I think this fight is going to be very exciting if certain things happen. If Marlene doesn't step up and it's the same Marlene we've seen in the last five or six fights, in my opinion, Estrada steamrolls right over her. Blanca, what do you think, Blanca? 
Well, what I think is, um, so without giving up too much information about sparring, okay, and seeing them both spar, I've seen Marlene have to fight. I brought girls there that go in there to try to do their best against Marlene and hold nothing back with no respect. And I've seen Marlene um, do much better at sparring than she's doing in the ring. I, I don't. I don't know if she lowers herself down to her competition. You know how some people bring themselves mm-hmm. up, and then if competition's lower, they bring themselves down. I don't know if that's her problem. And yeah, that's probably more of uh, being more developed as a pro. But I've seen her had pull out some really good sparring, and I and I hope she her level jumps after she had her her child. She seems a little bit stronger, but I, I believe that she's going to give a. A great fight because why would she want to take a fight like that and possibly lose her contract with Golden Boy? Because when Maricela Cornejo lost, she lost her contract with Golden Boy. So mm-hmm. I think Marlene's going to pull out a good fight. I really do. And as far as Tanisha Estrada, without saying too much, my God, she has skills. She really does. Um, I think she's the favored fighter. We all know that, but I think socially, um, a lot of people want to see Marlene fight because they don't like Marlene, and Marlene doesn't care whether they like her or not. So I'm really hoping that it's a candidate for fight of the year, and and I believe both girls are going to bring it. But if if Sinisha brings it stronger than Marlene, there you know, there could be a stoppage. Mm-hmm. So now that's my I do. I I respect that that that, that analysis, uh, Blanca, as far as her uh, stepping down or moving up in levels to her competition. But also, we have to remember that her in a sparring situation with the bigger gloves and the headgear, she's in her comfort zone. How many fights has she not had like that as an as an amateur fighter? Hundreds. And now, she's in a ring without any headgear and with smaller gloves. She's perhaps out of her comfort zone where she can't do or she doesn't feel confident enough to do all the things that she is able to do with headgear and bigger gloves. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. Well, Go ahead, David. She might be burnt out, Philippa. That's the, the other thing I'm saying, too, is I know Sanisha probably had, I don't know, David, maybe 100 fights, uh, amateur. Yeah. And then she went pro. But Marlene might have had 180 fights, you know. Yeah. So. She might be burnt out, too, because she had a lot of fights. And whether they were amateur or pro, she fought all over the world as an amateur. So um, I've mentioned that to Lupi before, that I thought that everybody thinks Marlene's new, or they say she's new to the pro game, but she might be very burnt out from the amateur game uh, as far as she had too many fights. You know what I mean? Like, there was too Mm -hmm. many. So um, she shouldn't quit a little bit sooner as the amateurs and then got more experience as a pro instead of just handpicking opponents. But they both did. They both handpicked opponents. David, you were about to say something? Uh, you know, Marlon, uh, she has that, uh, she has the ability to make a fight her way. You know, she, she does have that ability. Uh, she's been trying to fight the post style a couple of fights. But she can always revert back to her old way. And if she fights the way she's fought as an amateur, um, I mean, she could make it difficult. I mean, it may be a bad, uh, 
boring fight because if she does a hit and run, she could do that all night. So, you know, it, it all depends on what kind of fight she wants to make. If she wants to slug it out with Sinisa, we'll have an exciting fight. If she wants to box it out with her, then we're going to see a lot of running. But, uh, you know, th- she's she's not that easy to decipher, Marlon. She's not that easy. Hopefully we're, hopefully we're right, and, and that happens on November 2nd. Blanca, uh, before, uh, we want to thank you for being with us here on the panel. Hopefully it's not the last time we hear from you, and uh, hopefully you have a great night. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and um, I always love hearing uh, your opinions, and I really respect you guys, and thank you for supporting the females in boxing because we need more guys like you out there. Thank you so much. Thank you, Blanca, thank you, and have a good night. Bye. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, Mrs. Blanca Gutierrez, the founder and CEO of the Beautiful Brawlers program out there in the Bay Area of San Francisco, California, Northern California, um, who I expect that um, you guys always have the tournament around the same um, time of the year, like in the summer, late summer? Yeah, it's Labor Day weekend. Ah, good job, good job. Okay, well, let's... That is an impressive tournament. Impressive. Thank you so let's, much. Uh, let's move on to the upcoming calendar, which is not too much, but there is some interesting fights happening this weekend, starting on Saturday, October 12th, in Pico Rivera, California. Mr. David Avila will be there in person to give us the full report of Adelaida Lacobriz. Facing Micaela Neville in a six-rounder, 118 pounds. It was known out here in Southern California by those who know that they struggled to find Adelaida, Adelaida Reese's opponent. Uh, I guess one or two fell out. They have settled on Micaela Neville, whose record is not that impressive. I think she's like three wins, seven losses. I believe she's never but been the, knocked out. Go ahead. But the people who fight her are very impressive. She let's, fought let's Heather Hardy twice. She fought Nidia Feliciano. And she fought Shelly Vincent. Those are pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, let's go, yeah over, pretty good. let's go over her her record, which in a way she's two and seven. Um, and like you mentioned, she fought Lydia Feliciano, uh, Heather Hardy, Shelly Vincent, Heather Hardy again, Christina Fuentes out of Texas, uh, Marisol Miranda, uh, and she fought Shereta Metcalf uh, in Las Vegas, mostly at a way higher weight class then she is going to be fighting uh, this Saturday night against Adelaida Reese. So with that, she is a good, uh, I wouldn't say step up, but a good test for um, Adelaida Reese. We know that Adelaida Reese is a knockout puncher. She, she, her streak was uh, ended, her knockout streak was ended in her last fight when she fought uh, Tijuana fighter uh, Mirka Aguayo. But maybe she starts another streak and is the first one to stop uh, Micaela Neville this um, Saturday night in Pico Rivera. It's a 118-pound six-round fight. So David's going to give us the full report. Uh, All I can say, David, is to watch your back and perhaps uh, look into investing into a bulletproof vest. That's all I'm saying. Because the last time I was there, I uh, I felt... uh, Someone, uh, uh, no, nah, it was fine. It was fine. I'm not going to say it. I was just, be, I was trying to be funny. Oh my but God. I was just trying to be funny. It was fine. It was fine. Um, now also on Saturday, October the 12th in, uh, Mexico on Televisa, 
the king, the queen of queens, how promotional company Promociones del Pueblo have now um, tagged her, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Mariana La Barbie Juarez will be defending her title, WBC Bantamweight title, for the ninth time in two years against Argentinian Carolina Duer. Duer is a three-time world champion. Her claim to fame is that she defeated the legendary Marcela La Tigresa Acuña. She's been a super flyweight champion. She's been a bantamweight champion for the WBA, I believe, and the IBF. Um, she's coming off two losses, but they were a world title fight, and there were split decision losses in her hometown of, uh, in her home country of Argentina, and she will be fighting for the first time outside of Argentina in Mexico against Mariana La Barbie Juarez. Now, we had Mariana Juarez in a very short interview on our last show, episode number 74, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, and she was very adamant. And in recent years, she has been very adamant that perhaps this is her last fight at 118 pounds. She's going to take the rest of the year off, and then she'll be looking to step up to 122 pounds in early 2020 and petitioning the WBC to give her a straight shot towards that title. If she were to capture the WBC Super Bantamweight title, she would be the first Mexican fighter in history to capture. She's already the first... Mexican fighter in history to capture, female fighter to capture three world titles in three different divisions. Now she'd be the first to capture four titles in four different divisions, which I think will be very hard to break for a while. So Mariana Juarez this Saturday night in Televisa, and you can catch it in Mexico. Look for the full report this weekend on theprizefighters.com and on The Zone this Saturday night as well in Chicago, Illinois. Jessica McCaskill defends her WBC and WBA super lightweight titles in a rematch against a fellow, another Argentinian, Erika La Pantera Farias in a 10-rounder. David, do you think that Erika Farias can do anything different to come out with her hand raised in that fight? Uh, yeah, I do. I think she's going to come out a lot more aggressive. I think she kind of uh, saw that. Jessica only had so many fights and felt that, oh, she's nothing. And she came in and she got ambushed. And I think this time she knows what to expect. And uh, I expect a firefight. I really do. I really expect it. Uh, Jessica is a a handful for anybody. She's probably Mm -hmm. one of the most exciting fighters in the female fight world. Uh, She she can fight a variety of ways. uh, And I'm I'm looking forward to see what she's going to do against uh, Erica Farias. Now, the winner of this fight, whether it be Jessica McCaskill or Erica Farias, will be in line for some very exciting fights at Super Lightweight. And all of a sudden, the 140-pound division is starting to really heat up. We have Jessica McCaskill, like I mentioned, WBA and WBC world champions. The IBF is vacant. But the WBO champion is the Dominican living in Greece, Christina Linardartu, who will be defending her title later this year against Katie Taylor. So the winner of that fight and the winner of this fight against Jessica McCaskill and Erika Farias have, you know, the other opportunity to become the queen of the 140 pounds. Also, there also might be uh, an opportunity that we might even see Amanda Serrano at 140 pounds. 
something that she has mentioned in the past. And with such big names like McCaskill and Erica Farias and Christina Lodardo and Christina, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Katie Taylor, gaining at 140 pounds, I think there's a there's an opportunity to do some great, very good fights in that in that weight class. So we'll see what happens this Saturday night, which will be the first step towards that. On Friday, October 18th, uh, from Niagara Falls in New York, Telemundo, which is a smaller Latin American Spanish language te- television uh, channel that does have boxing, most of it promoted, if not all of it, by Tutu Zavala Jr. out of Florida and his all-star boxing outfit will be having Maureen Shea against Edna, Edna Kiss in a six-rounder at Featherweight. And that's on Friday, October 18th. And lastly, Friday, October 19th, this is not going to be televised, but out of Santa Fe, Argentina, at least not in the United States or Mexico, Roxana Bermudez, one of the Bermudez sisters, along with Evelyn and Daniela, uh, is coming up uh, her own She's two and one, and she'll be facing Antonella Molina in a four-rounder at Bantamweight. So our next show is scheduled for October 24th. We want to thank Robert for calling in and and being part of the show. We want to thank Blanca Gutierrez for calling in and being part of the show, the CEO and founder of the Beautiful Brothers program out here in California. Also, Lupe Gutierrez and Mr. David Avila. Anything else, guys, that you guys want to mention? Lupi, I wanted to ask her, just before we leave, what do you think of the Jessica McCaskill fight? The Jessica McCaskill fight, I think it's I it's I think it's gonna be all out. I'm really excited about this one too. I love both fighters. I think I mean Erica, she's has her history and I think it's gonna be great. You know, I, I go through all the social media and I see a lot of people a few people, um, say that this isn't they have no respect for this fight because Erica got hurt. And, but I don't see that. I see Erica coming. I think it's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for this fight. If you don't have respect for this fight, then you don't have respect for the, the two two great fighters. So I'm excited, yeah. and I have the zone, so I'll be watching it. And there you go, folks. So with that said, look out for our next show, October 24th. This is the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. You can find us on the two-minute round.com. I'm sorry, uh, blocktalkradio.com forward slash two-minute round. On facebook.com forward slash two-minute round. Twitter.com forward slash or at two-minute round. We thank you and we bid you farewell. Bye. 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 Yeah.